Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Why don't we take a moment and uh, prepare our hearts? I think God wants to speak to us today. He wants to use His Word to do just that. Uh, whenever we gather, we believe with uh, deep conviction and with a lot of excitement as well that God's going to speak to us. And that's an amazing thought, that God wants to talk to us today in this room. Here we are, Vancouver Public Library, and we're learning something today. So uh, if you would, with me, why don't, we, uh, why don't we just prepare our hearts, okay? That's on us. God's Word is good. Our job is to pre- prepare our hearts. So why don't we take a moment, turn our hearts towards Jesus, and just prepare them. Jesus, here we are. You see us standing Uh, We're giving you our our focus right now, and in the minutes that uh, proceed from here, pray that you'd quiet our hearts. For some, this might be the very first time we would hear your voice. For others in this room, we've become casual with the reality that you'd speak to us. Pray today you'd talk to our hearts. Challenge us, God. We don't want to leave the same. We don't want to go through the motions. We're not looking to just do the same old thing and repeat another year again. We're looking to be changed. So speak to us, we pray, in your name. Everyone said amen. 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 Hey, grab your seat this morning. I'm excited to, uh, to share with you a collection of talks around this theme, undivided. Undivided. As we begin this year, we begin hashtag undivided. If you have your Bible with you, turn to the book of Psalm, book of Psalm chapter 86, Psalm chapter 86. From here, we find the, uh, the foundational piece of what this collection of messages is all about. Psalm chapter 86 and verse 11, Psalm 86 and verse 11 says this, speaking to God, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Let me read it one more time. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness and give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. If you don't have that underlined in your Bible, why don't you go ahead and underline that? In fact, I want to challenge some people. This is the year you start actually allowing God's word to penetrate your heart and to be planted like a seed in your heart that will bear fruit in season, that will grow up like a tree and actually bring nourishment to your soul. This is the year for you to start memorizing some scriptures. For some of you all, what you need to do is just write that on a sticky note, put it on your mirror because you love to look at your mirror, or make it the background of yourself because you like to look at your cell phone, whatever it takes to find a way to get some of the Bible in your life because God's word changes things. He's saying here, teach me, Lord, what your ways are. Make my heart undivided so that I might learn to respect or honor or fear or show reverence or show worship to your name. Teach me your ways. This word teach is an interesting word in the Hebrew language. The word teach here, it's, it's a word uh, that you could use to describe the shooting of an arrow. Interesting. Teach me. In other words, I want you to show me with specificity what it is that I'm aiming at. Point out 
the target for me. Point out the goal for me. Give me a picture of what I'm aiming for. He's saying, teach me your ways. I want to know, I want some aim, I want some focus in my life. So teach me your ways. Show me the target. Now for some of us, uh, we enter into a new year and uh, we begin a new year with resolutions. Anyone here resolve some things in the last couple of days? If anyone's real honest, have you already broken a resolution you made? You got to have some more grace on yourself. Don't give up on the year because you, you stumbled on January 3rd, all right? Still a lot of year here. And uh, for some of us, it's, oh, yeah, it's, it's a new year. I got to make a new plan. And then we, we make a new plan based on some things that we're feeling in the moment. It's funny that as the years go by, the, the new plans are almost always the old plans, which is, makes sense because the word resolve just means to redo the solution, right? To go back to the thing you knew to do. I should get healthy this year. I should be more disciplined this year. I should get more rest this year. I should watch less TV this year. I should get social this year. I should, you know, be better with my money this year. I should stop smoking this year. I should stop, whatever those things are. Same old, same old. We, we kind of go again. But here the, the, the poet is writing, saying, God... I give to you the, the, the respect and the honor to show me what I should be aiming for. Give me a purpose. Give me a direction. Like, a, like an arrow pulled back from an archer. Point out to me where I want to go. I want you to teach me. Give me direction. Give me focus. And then he goes on to say this, and help my heart. Because the reality is the heart is deceptive above all things. That's what the book of Jeremiah says. Your heart tricks you. Your heart plays tricks on you. Anyone ever had your heart broken? And in the moment you were convinced my heart will never be the same again. And then you think back, that was grade seven. <laughs> you made it. <laughs> Has anyone ever had your heart stirred in a moment, you're like, oh, man, that's the one. You meet a person, you're like, they're the one. You think of a new career, you're like, that's the one. You think of a, of a new institution that you'd like to go get educated at, oh, that's the one. You get stirred up in a moment, new hairstyle, that's the one. I saw it on Instagram, I'm going to try doing that, right? You see a new, new clothing style, that's the one. Doesn't matter how much it costs, that's the one. I, I want to go over Our heart can be so fickle. Our heart can be so fragile. Our heart can be so easily swayed, so easily distracted. Hearts you can find in moments can be persuaded out of things or persuaded into things. And people say, well, well why'd you do that? I don't know. I was just following my heart in the moment. Like from the beginning of a conversation to the end, the heart can drift, right? You know, I know one thing. I know who I, know who I think is going to win this week in, in, in the football game. I got, I got a plan. I know. And then someone goes, really? I thought the other way. Oh, yeah, now that you come to mention it, you're right. Yeah, that's, that's definitely going to happen that way. It's amazing how, hard, how quickly the heart can shift. Have you ever been with someone at a restaurant who struggles to make decisions? Come on, you know the person. And they pull out the menu and they're like, oh, my goodness. It's like they're it's like they're taking like the 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 entrance exam into medical school. Like I haven't prepared for this. And you're you're trying to help them. You're like, well, what do you feel like? They're like, ah, I don't know. 
And everything that's suggested, like, well, that sounds good. Or then there's those people who nothing sounds good. Like, I'm so hungry. Where do you want to go? I don't know. How about Chinese? No, not Chinese. How about no, not Mexican? Wherever you want to go. How about Italian? No, not Italian. How about Thai? No, not Thai. How about, would you, are you actually even hungry? It's amazing how quick the heart can shift, how quick the heart can be persuaded. So here, there are two things at play. Number one, the, the poet is saying this, God, give me direction. Show me what the target is. Help me make a goal. And then... Give me the type of heart that will see that through. Help my heart. Because I know if I don't have the right heart, I won't sustain the goal. I know if I don't have the right heart, I won't be able to reach the goal. And so even though I know it's there, I'll only be frustrated by how far I fall short. So God, show me what I'm aiming for. And then give me the type of heart to get there. This month as we begin a new year, That's my heart for our church. That's my prayer for our church. God, give us an undivided heart. We could set some goals. We could make some things our focus. We could could be convinced of some things. It may be even the types of things that get us pumped up. But if we don't have the type of heart to see it through, we'll find ourselves so easily persuaded away. This word undivided, it could be defined this way, a heart that is unmixed. A heart that is focused or a heart that is pure. God, give me a pure heart. Today, if you're taking notes, uh, this message is entitled, Mixed Motives, Missed Mark. Mixed Motives, Missed Mark. Which makes a great tongue twister. Say it five times fast. Mixed Motives, Missed Marks. Missed Motives, Yeah. Mixed motives, miss mark. No matter how clear you see the goal in mind, if your heart has mixed motives, you will miss the mark. No matter how clear and how defined the goal for your life is, like you could have dream boarded that thing right to the very last detail. You might have Pinterested your life out for yourselves. But unless your heart is focused, you'll miss the mark. Mixed motives, missed mark. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, there's a story that clarifies this so well. Turn there with me. 1 Samuel chapter 13, let me tell you about a man named Saul. Let me tell you about a man named Saul. Saul was the first king in the nation of Israel. Never had there been a king before him. Saul was uh, noteworthy for a number of reasons. One of, the, one of the reasons was this. The Bible said he stood a whole head taller than everyone else. It also said he was the best looking in all the nations. Some of you all are like, man, Saul was a lot like me. Amazing. <laughs> he stood taller than everyone. He looked better than everyone. And he was the, the one that was chosen. He was picked. He was handpicked. By the prophet of God, a man named Samuel, the the, the hearts of the people said, we want a king. We don't want to continue to follow through the words of a prophet, God speaking to a prophet, and then him giving the words to us. We just want a king, someone we can look to and trust, someone that we can follow, someone we can get behind. And out of the entire nation, the handpicked, the chosen one, his name was Saul. He stood a head taller than everyone else. He was better looking than everyone else, and he was chosen. He was picked set up for success. 
The people followed Saul. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, you'll find this. It said Saul blew his trumpet, and he said, hey, it's time to go to war. And all of the, of the, the, the nation gathered around Saul. They're like, that's my king right there. That's my king right there. He's taller than everyone. He's better looking than everyone. He was handpicked, and I'm going to go to battle with this king. I'm with him. Heart and soul. Wherever he goes, I'm going to go. Whatever he does, I'm going to do. Until things got difficult. In fact, as they got to war, it says this. There were a couple thousand of them gathered around. They're getting rallied up. They're getting fired up. They've got a clear target in mind. We are going to win victory for our nation. Are you with me? And they're hooah. They're with them. They're excited for this moment. And Samuel the prophet says to Saul, here's the one thing you need to do. If God's going to honor your victory, the same God who chose you and picked you, if he's going to honor this victory, you just need to be patient and wait. I'm going to come and we're going to make a sacrifice. We're going to have a worship service before we we go to war. We're going to remember that our victory comes from God. That victory is not because you're taller, not because you're better looking. It's actually built in that fact that you were chosen. That's where your victory comes. You were chosen. It's the grace of God in your life. So take a minute. Wait till I get there. I'm going to lead the worship service, and then you lead the army. Well, in the meantime, here's what happened. The enemy gathered around. So here's Saul. He's got clarity of vision. He's got people backing him. But then all of a sudden, there's a little bit of resistance. There's a little bit of trial. Let me tell you right now, if you want to do anything in your life, you're going to come against some resistance. If you want to have a great life, you are going to meet some resistance. If you want to live in victory, you are going to have to fight a good fight of faith. Victory doesn't just fall in anybody's lap. Now, let me, let me be clear. By God's grace, you are chosen. You, you might say, I'm the shortest person in the room. I look around, I don't feel like I'm the prettiest person in the room. And yet, the Bible says God has chosen you. He's chosen you to be victorious. He's got a plan for your life that is perfect, a goal in mind for you that will see you rise up to victory. If you're ever going to do it, you will come up against some difficulty or some trial. Can someone say amen? When you say amen, you're like, yeah, i I, I kind of been there before. Man, I have lived this out in my life over and over. Before any victory, there is a fight. And then you know what happens after that victory? There's a new call. There's some new clarity. There's some new vision. And then there's a whole nother fight. Some people put it this way, new levels, new devils. If you want to get to a new level, you're going to have to fight through some new temptations, through some new trials, through some new struggles, through some new difficulties. So here's Saul, his first time really going to war. In fact, the Bible says this was in year two of his his kingship. He ruled in Israel for 42 years. This happened in year two. At this point in time, uh, Saul was 32 years old, a young man leading a nation. He was taller. He was better looking. He was chosen. He was ready. He had clear vision. And then came the trial. You know what happened in the midst of that trial? Some of the people who were with Saul started to scatter. All they had to do was look at the army they were up against, and it seemed impossible. All they had to do was look at at, at the resistance they were about to face, and it just seemed impossible. So it says this, they went and hid inside bushes, inside caves, behind trees. Like they got really cowardly, really fast. Just side note, have you ever had some people who are with you until they're not? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. 
You ever, and they're like, we're behind you. And you're like, how far behind? <laughs> like way behind me? What's up? We're with you, you know? So here he's got this group of people who are with him until they're not. Like we got this until the resistance came and then they're hiding behind rocks. They're hiding inside bushes. They're finding spots behind trees and in caves. And in that waiting period, there's something happens to Saul's heart. Though he has clarity of vision, though he has a very clear, defined goal in mind to lead people to victory, something happens inside his heart. His heart gets mixed in motives. The motivation of his heart shifts a little bit. And so he's waiting. The, the, the prophet has said, wait seven days. And he's counting down, and the days just can't go fast enough. Because in the waiting, he feels as though he's losing momentum. I just want to tell you, waiting always feels like you're losing momentum. Waiting always feels that way. It's funny, like for God to say wait, you're like, oh, I can do that, until you start doing it, and it feels like you're losing momentum. So here's Saul, he's got people with him, and the outside experience is I'm losing the crowd here. I'm losing momentum here. I need to do something to shift the momentum of my story right now. And so he's counting down and the clock can't tick fast enough. Okay, it's been a day. Lost some people, it's been a day. Okay, it's been two days. It's been three days. It's been, and the moment that it crosses over into day seven, Saul goes, in, well, Samuel's clearly not here. Samuel didn't do the part he was supposed to do. Here I am trying to lead the people and Samuel, he's, he's not here. Here's what I, I just have to do it myself. See, a lot of people with mixed motivation end up making a, a, a rash decision. God says, wait, and he goes, how long? And in that moment, he's like, well, Samuel's not here, so he says this. Hey, bring, bring the sacrifice here. I'm going to lead the worship service. I'm going to lead the tradition. I'm going to lead in this ritual. I know Samuel said it was for him to do, but I can't afford to lose momentum any longer. And so Samuel, or, or Saul, I should say, leads in this service. Then it says this, verse 10, just as he had finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. Someone said, dun, dun, dun. Samuel arrives. He goes, hey, what have you done? Saul replies, check this out. He replies, he says, well, when I saw that the men were scattering and I saw that you didn't come at the set time, and then I saw that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash. I thought to myself, now the Philistines, they're going to come against me at Gilgal, and I haven't even sought the Lord yet. And so I felt compelled to offer this burnt offering. Man, there's a lot going on right there. Man, there's a lot going on. See, Saul says, what have you done and, or Samuel says, what have you done? What is the action that you've done? And Saul knows immediately that his action flowed from his heart. And so instead of just saying what he did, he explains the backstory. He goes, well, let me tell you the heart in which this came from. Do you know your actions are always informed by your heart? Do you know the way you live your life is always informed by the motivations that are on the inside of you? I remember it being in a philosophy class and, and hearing this thought, you will always do in every situation what you most want to do. In every situation in your life, you and I will always do what we most want to do. 
We'll make decisions according to our chorused value. According to the mix of what's going on in our heart, we'll make every decision in life. Every financial decision we ever make is the decision that we most wanted to do. I didn't want to be in debt, but you really wanted to eat out every night. And in the moment, we wanted the food more than we wanted the freedom. Right? I didn't want to be in this situation, but but you really, really, in the moment, you wanted the selfishness more than you wanted to work it out. We'll always do what we most want to do. And so here Saul goes this. Uh, well, forget about what I did. Let me tell you why I did it. Let me give you a, a picture of the heart that led me to these actions. But in the, the diagnosis of his heart, we see such a mix of motivation. He says, first of all, the people were scattering. First of all, I had this feeling of insecurity because of the people who were around me. This insecurity started to bubble up inside of me. It led me to my actions. You know, sometimes we will be, uh, we'll be tempted based on the people around us to make decisions. We'll be tempted based on what we feel of the crowd around us and how they're responding to us to make decisions. Here, Saul, he goes, well, first, there's the people. It wasn't me. It was the people. They were scattering. And then second of all, he goes this, also you. You didn't do what you said you were going to do. What are you doing here, Samuel, asking me why I did what I did? What about you? You weren't here on time. Samuel's like, I'm old. Like the last chapter, I says, I'm really old. I tried to get here. I'm 10 minutes late. Are you for real? I said seven days. It's still the seventh day. Like what is going on? Isn't it amazing that when we tend to make some decisions that are rash, we, we go like this? But you, you, first it's the people around us, and then it's the blame that we can shift. And then he goes this, and also, bottom line, I think we were about to be destroyed. Because the enemy was surrounded. Interestingly here, just check this. They, it says the enemy was gathered in a place called Mikmash. I love this. The word Mikmash means a hidden place. Think about that for a minute. For you and I, maybe the greatest enemies that we will face are hidden in hidden places, aren't they? There's this enemy gathered in a hidden place. And Saul goes, hey, you know what? The people around me weren't buying it. And you weren't doing what you, I thought you should do. And also, I was scared. Straight up. You don't, you don't know what it felt like to be here. You don't know. And then he goes this. And then my heart compelled me. Like what I did was out of sincerity. What I did was out of conviction. What I did was out of like a moment of being compelled. I got swept up in the moment. I'm like, people are gone and it feels right and it felt good and so I did it. You know, sincerity, though, uh, though I think it can be important in a lot of ways, can still lead us to stupidity. We can be sincerely stupid sometimes. <laughs> like, have you ever heard it said, like, you can sincerely drink poison and it'll still kill you? <laughs> right? Like, just being sincere is not enough. you got to be sincere and right. That's why the Bible says this, seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness. So seek God, but do it the right way. Like, you can say, well, I feel like God wanted me to do that. 
You know, I felt in the moment like we were in love and it just, it felt right and God loves love, right? And so I just went with my feelings. But seek first God and righteousness. You have to do it the right way. And so here he is. He goes, in the moment, my heart just got compelled. And and so I went with my heart. Samuel's like, man, Saul. Because God loves his people, he's going to go with you. But you just lost your legacy. He says that this is year two of his kingship. There's never been a king before. Year two. And he says, just so you know, like, your son won't ever be king. God's going to find someone else. And here's the type of person he's looking for. Check it out. He says this, you've done a foolish thing. You've not kept the commands of the Lord that he gave you. If you had, he would have established your king, your kingdom for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord is looking for a man after his own heart. He will appoint a ruler of his people because you haven't kept your command. Year two of his kingship. And for 40 years, those words rang through his mind. See, on the outside, we could look at Saul and be like, man, that guy was pretty successful. Tall, good looking. 42 years he held down the kingship. But there was something else going on the inside, and it was because of mixed motives. Now, some of you might say, man, this just feels kind of harsh. Like he wasn't all bad. That's true. That's true. I, I suppose in almost every scenario, if we were to look at the concoction, the stew of motives that stirring around in the crock pot of our heart, making different flavors, we'd be like, there's some good in there too. But what God is looking for is someone who is wholeheartedly focused. Someone with an undivided heart. See, so, some translations would put it, put it this way. God, give me a heart in unison. A heart that is unified. And it's not so much meaning that my heart is connected to your heart and your heart is connected to his heart and all our hearts are one big. No, it's in my own heart. God, like, would you filter through my motivation so that in the end, the only thing that matters is what you think of me? To hear Saul is so concerned of what others think of him that he forgets about what God thinks of him. So concerned what others, man, they're scattering. I see one of my friends behind a rock over there. The other one thinks he's hiding behind that bush. They're scattering, and the people, you know, they're, gonna, they're coming after me. i got to do something about this. And in the whole process, he forgot the only thing that really mattered is that, that the king of kings, that the Lord of lords had said of Saul, I've chosen you, and you will lead. And in that moment, he forfeited his legacy for comfort. He forfeited an enduring legacy for a moment of mixed motivation. Mixed motives, missed mark. I mean, he went on for 40 more years. I suppose sometimes we can look at someone's life and say, it must be good because I see success. And yet the Bible says God causes the the sun to rise on the righteous and the unrighteous. 
And other times, like, trials come to the righteous and the unrighteous. You can't look at something as fickle as outward success and say, that person must be doing well because things are going well for them, and that person must have some problems because they're walking through something right now. Man, that's a sinful, evil, twisted, diabolical way to live. Why are our eyes on other people anyway? But here we are with eyes fixed on Jesus, the only thing. I love the song we just sang. Fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. Who cares what other people are doing? Who cares that some people are drifting? Who cares that the, the, the complications and the trials are coming up against you? Who cares that someone else might have failed your expectation? Even if Samuel was 10 days late, who was Saul to try to overstep what God had called him to do? Fix your eyes on this one thing. So God, give us an undivided heart. Teach us your ways. Show us your target, but then help our hearts. I remember when I was, uh, when I was young, I used to play, play basketball, and, uh, and I, enjoyed, I enjoyed basketball a lot. When you grow up in a small town, especially when you go to a small school, you don't have to be very big to be big. You know what I'm talking about? You don't have to be very tall to be the tall person on your team. And so I was one of the taller people on my team, which doesn't say much about my team, although probably would speak to our record, which was not very stellar. And I enjoy basketball. I like, I like the camaraderie. I like the teamwork. I like the effort. I like the, I like the grind. I like the finesse, the whole thing. One thing I didn't enjoy so much was free throws. Free throws. Man, it just sounds so easy, right? Just free. Just go, go take it. There you are, nothing in your way. There you are, it's an easy shot. If you could just get your mind to shut up. There you are, like, okay, I'm focusing on all the right things. I'm thinking, where are my feet? I'm thinking, you know, where are my hands? How are my motion going to be? How's my follow-through going to be? Imagine if right now I started to think about something crazy like vegetables, how crazy that, oh, man, what was I doing thinking about vegetables? I would psych myself out in those free throws. There they are, free. I know exactly what I'm shooting for. It is a hoop. It's right there. I've done this a thousand times, but then I am in the moment. I'm thinking, well, what are people going to think if I miss this shot right here? Dunk. Oh, now I missed the last shot. Got to make this one. Got to get at least one out of two. Everyone's going to go, how did he miss both those shots? And then they're not going to want to pass to me because I got fouled and I didn't even get my free throw. Got to do it. Got to do it. Don't miss. Don't miss. Don't miss. Don't miss. Don't miss. Don't miss. Don't Isn't it amazing? Sometimes our heart is so focused on what we don't want to do instead of just focused on what we're trying to do. Man, the heart deceives. Man, the heart is frustrating. Like, give me an undivided heart, God. I need it to come as a gift by your grace because my heart is crazy. <laughs> like, last week I had this goal, and this week it changed, and next week, who knows? So, God, show me where you're aiming me, but also give me the type of heart to endure. Give me the type of heart so I can actually hit the mark. Do you know what's interesting? The, uh, the word sin is also an archery term. The word sin also speaks of a, a bow and arrow. And it simply means this, to miss the mark. Interestingly, sin doesn't speak to motivation at all. Sin doesn't speak about, you know, well, I tried really hard. It's just like this really cut and dry thing. Did you hit the mark or did you not hit the mark? If you miss the mark, that's what the Bible defines as sin. Well, I, I didn't want to, and yet you did. I didn't try to, 
and yet here we are. It was better than some people, still not the mark. It's better than I used to be, bravo, but it's still not. That, that's what sin is, just this cut and dry thing. Uh, man, do we ever need God's grace. So here, here's, the, here's the poem in its totality. God, can you show me where the target is? I want to become more like you. And then also, can you help my heart? Because if anything is going to stop me from hitting that target, it's going to be my heart. And in the end, all I want is focus on what you're calling me to do. All I want is focus on where you've called me to be. All I want to do is focus on the very thing at the center of your heart. I don't want to come up with my own strategy on how to get there. I'm not looking to find a shortcut to get there. I don't want to be like Saul with mixed motives and miss the mark. I don't want to have this mixed motives like, yeah, I want to do what God wants me to do. I also want people to think it's pretty great. No, I just want what you want. God, nothing more and nothing less than what you've called for me. That's actually a humble way to live. God, I don't want one thing more than what you've called for me, and I don't want one thing less either. If you've called me for victory, then it's victory that I seek. If you've called me to overcome, then it's overcoming that I seek, and I will not stop. But what if the enemy is gathered around in the secret place where no one else sees them, and you're feeling that fear? Then you need to cause fear to fade and subside as you fix your eyes on what God has called you to. But what if people don't keep following me and thinking that what I'm doing is great? It was never about people anyway. It's always been about obedience. And he, 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 he tries to shroud it in this spiritual word. I realized it was time to go to war, and I hadn't even sought the favor of the Lord. Man, sometimes as Christians, we can spiritualize why we do things. Man, we, we use God as this grand excuse all the time. You know, I just really feel like God's called me and you. Like it's, it's not even me, you know. It's God. It's a God thing. A couple, couple, day, a couple dates don't go the right way. You're like, you know what, I mean, if it was me, like if it was just me, man, this would. <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? Big guy intervened. I mean, if it was just me, trust me. If he, if he changes his mind, I'll let you know. And yet we know in Scripture it says this of God, that he is a God of, of light in whom there is no shadow or turning. He's consistent. He's faithful. This is why the poet says, God, give me an undivided heart so I might learn from your faithfulness. Because the target God had for, has for you isn't changing. It's not going to change. The goal he's had in mind for you has been the same. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's got a goal in mind for you. And it's a good one. And it's to bring you victory. So what causes our heart to mix? Fear? Pride? Disappointment? Hurt? Loss? Boredom? Fatigue, desire, exhaustion. It's all sorts of things that can cause our hearts, our motives to become mixed. You see, I think the poet had it right here in Psalm 86. The conclusion wasn't, God, I'm going to work real hard to show you how good my heart is. It was a posture of humility saying, God, I want you to teach me, and I know if I have one weakness, 
My Achilles heel is going to be in my heart. The weakness isn't going to be in, in my, my, my effort. I, I, I know I'll keep trying. The weakness for me is not going to be in, in stock. Like, I'm going to keep caring, but I need a unified heart because there's this mix of motivations right now. I want you to be glorified, but I want to get something out of it. I want you to be pleased with me, but I also want people to cheer for me while I'm doing it. I want to prioritize you, but what's in it for me? I'm going to seek you first, but then it's got to be easy, right? Like I want an easy, easy pathway. I want to seek your will, but God, you're going to have to make everyone else seek your will too, or else I'm going to feel so stupid being the only one who's seeking your will right now. It'd be embarrassing. Come on, bring everyone else around. I want your, your future for me, but I, I also want to dabble a little bit in things that feel good right now. And here's God calling you and I to a heart of purity, calling you and I to a heart of focus. See, in the book of James, it's defined over and over. We're going to talk about this a little next week, about what it is to be double-minded. Double-minded. Yes and no. Well, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, true or false. You know, it's a mix. No, it's not really a black and white issue, just all gray. And here God is calling us, saying, I want your heart to be moved by only what moves my heart. See, the truth that, that I've come to realize is that that only comes by God's grace. That only comes by a gift from God. That he could help weed out the things in our lives that ought not be there. It's amazing. If I were to do a real assessment, a diagnostic assess assessment of my heart at times, Man, I wouldn't be really very happy about what the mix looks like. I wouldn't be confident with the mixture of my own heart. So grateful that God's mercy is bigger than my effort. Because here we are, 2019, and I'm still making some of the same old goals. How come I didn't already get there? How come I didn't already reach that? God, give us an undivided heart. Teach us your ways. May we learn from your faithfulness. Unify our hearts that we might come to fear your name above everything else. I think this word fear is so interesting. It's not, not speaking to discomfort or terror. It's not speaking to, you know, pulling back from God, hiding ourselves from God. What it's speaking to is that base motivator that makes us get to work. It makes us act. Like that adrenaline reaction that'll cause us to, to make a move, to fight or flight. He's saying, I just, I just want to have like a, a, a reaction to one thing only, my response to one thing only, what you think of me. May that be the motivator that jolts me into action, nothing else, not the praise of people, not the acclaim I might receive at my workplace or on my Instagram feed, and not, not, the, not the type of, uh, of accolades that come with promotion or come with... with uh, opportunity or that come with having special perks. God, I just want what you have for me. I'm going to call the team back. 
before we leave today, we're going to fix our eyes on this one truth one more time. God's madly in love with us. But I wonder if where you are as the team comes, would you bow your heads with me? I'd love to pray with you. See, here's the the reality. Uh, We can't come and evaluate anybody else's heart but our own. Over time, the actions will show themselves. Every tree is known by its fruit. But no one can assess the, the mixture of our motivations. Not even us. The Bible says the heart is deceptive. Who can know it? Only the one who made it. See, the beauty is God wants to speak to you. He's talking to me. He knows our heart. He knows it full well. He's the best one to teach us about our own hearts. So wherever you are with your eyes closed, with your heads bowed. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.